Tasting Anarchy, your wine and liberty podcast. Join Mason and Jake each week as they try new wines and discover how much government is in your drink. Hello and welcome to Tasting Anarchy. And there goes Tasting the song Anarchy, again. Your wine and yeah. liberty podcast. I was a. Uh, I was thinking about because of what we're going to review tonight, trying to like put Peaceful Treason's intro in. Oh, yeah. That would be actually, that'd be pretty funny. <laughs> and then just pretended to be them for the first like, one. I, as, as much as I like certain things about Zencaster, their mm-hmm. interface for intro music is bad. So what I just did is I clicked to pause it, mm-hmm. but I clicked the increase volume. Oh. Oh, you know what? Oh, no, I guess that doesn't do anything. I need to figure out the settings on this. I just realized mm-hmm. there's a little symbol that shows, uh, that's like an infinity symbol that shows that it'll just keep playing over and over again unless you mm-hmm. stop it. I got to figure out how to turn that off. I just wanted to play once, and I don't want to have to click it to turn it off. Yeah, it's but, it's like one of those, it's like supposed to be low current background looping music. It's There's mm-hmm. a an NVIDIA I.io. It's a like a, you make YouTube ads kind of with it. Um, okay. And they have like a, a tracking system kind of like that, where it's like you build in, it's, they've got a voiceover track, they've got a like a music track and then the video itself. And you can put in subtitles um, or like you can uh, in like this, like you can just literally like burn them into the video. So it's interesting. Uh, interesting in that way. And it has like a bunch of cuts and different weird things you can do like that. Uh, well, but you were saying our listeners uh, are joining us today when gold uh, oil briefly hit thirty dollars a barrel. Thirty. Uh, I thought it was one hundred and twenty-five. One hundred thirty. I meant. Did okay. I say thirty? Yeah. I was Sorry. Like, it's like, wait a minute. What gold are you? What, what oil are you looking at? Thirty. Yeah. Brief, briefly barrel. hit one hundred and thirty. So, but it's pulled yeah. back now, seven dollars a barrel. But let's go, Brandon. Uh, yep, we've got a. Uh, I was I was about to get into a, a story that I think is sort of relevant to stuff that mm-hmm. we kind of reference a lot. One is I went to the liquor store or the Specs, which is a mm-hmm. wine, liquor, beer store. Um, I have many complaints about it, and this is going <laughs> to show my like my snobbiness about. <laughs> so this is actually what prompted my complaint to you that I texted, mm-hmm. where I said, yeah. I, I wonder if maybe poor people can't like are physically not capable of moving faster and that decreases their productivity. And that's one of the reasons why they're poor because anytime I go to like a shitty, it's mean to describe this way, but like a shitty poor person shopping center, Mm -hmm. everybody there moves at a snail's pace and can't drive. That's the other thing too. (laughs) And it, and as I'm going through the specs, which is I, I'm not a fan of specs anyways. I I, I don't think that they're usually I, I, I much rather go to Total Wine because I think it's mm-hmm. a little bit nicer. But the specs is closer. It it just is. It's just grimy. They don't like it's just a grimy place. I don't like it. Yeah, they don't have a great selection. A, Although their, their Texas quality. wine selection is not terrible. Yeah, but, it's not. It isn't as good as it could be. Yeah. Yeah. Like they, they really could improve it. Um but from my understanding, I guess for a really long time, they kind of had a monopoly. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then some of the laws changed, and, and then Total Wine kind of moved in and started challenging them. But uh, they were really the only type of store like that in Texas for a long time. 
and so they just they didn't kind of keep up with the times and and because they didn't need to so but anyways the 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 part that i thought was relevant to what you and i were just talking about is that i've noticed this more and more poor places that i go are the presence of bitcoin atms Mm -hmm. and there is one now inside specs which i consider a poor person's liquor store or like not even a poor person's liquor store just like a low quality or low I'm trying to think of like ways to say this that don't sound snobby, but that's like the only way it's I can think describe social it. Social economic class yeah. establishment, right? Like it's it's yeah. actually the bar next to car and I go to, and we really like it. But there's on one side of Specs is an Aldi, the other anchor on the other side is Ross, dress for less. Mm-hmm. Then around the corner is Marshalls. You do the math. Uh, that is the shopping center that it's in. Wait, is Marshall's sl- slogan "You do the ma- you do the math" or was that just something you were adding to it? I was adding to that because those are all, <laughs> in my opinion, shitty stores. <laughs> Actually, Aldi, Aldi, I like, but uh, again, it's it's a, it's a discount store. Ross is a super discount store, and Marshall's is of the brands that are owned by TJ Maxx, the worst. So, <laughs> like all of the all in that shopping center, all of the things that there are there are bad. I was gonna say, isn't Ross owned by TJ Maxx? I don't know who Ro- who owns Ross now. I'll look I know that they. You, I think somebody bought them. Yeah. yeah, but also there's not a McDonald's in the shopping center. It's a Burger King again. You know, come on, <laughs> like everything about the shopping center is not great. But I've noticed <laughs> that in a lot of these places <laughs> are Bitcoin ATMs. And, and and you know what's funny about it too is I frequent these places. So what does that say about me? <laughs> I was kind of wondering the same thing. <laughs> yeah, because like uh, I do, I go to a lot of those places, and I've just noticed more and more of them it, have these Bitcoin ATMs. And part of that is I think because of the large immigrant community in in this area is mm-hmm. a lot of people use Bitcoin for remittance. So if they're going to if they have Bitcoin and they're going to go get some liquor it's kind of nice to be able to just exchange it real quick and and you and get some cash because one thing that is nice that specs does that um total wine doesn't do is they give you a discount if you buy in cash Mm -hmm. um which is kind of nice so you can go to the atm right there the bitcoin atm and get some cash for your bitcoin to buy liquor and my point though in our greater conversation about the failing global hedge hedge is it hegemony yeah john yeah hegemony Hegemony. of the dollar Mm -hmm. um in my opinion i think is that people are just not just not willing to use it anymore and the people that are most impacted by high inflation and uh uncertainty when it comes to dollars are people who are poorer and so it makes sense to me that if you're now bitcoin Again, not stable. I mean, it's it's. I think it's down eight percent from last Thursday. So it's also not particularly stable. But it's all. But there is a different type of certainty in it than in USD, which month over month is inflation is at seven point five percent year over year five point five percent. So there's there's a lot of just people. I think kind of going. You know what? I'm not sure what's what's happening. Bitcoin has this feature that makes it more beneficial for me to use to send money back to wherever country I'm from. 
but also it kind of makes sense for me to just keep my money in Bitcoin. Yeah. But so, so I got two things for you. Yeah. Ross is a publicly traded company all on its own. Hmm. So okay. do, do they own anybody? Uh, didn't have any, like the Wikipedia didn't have any subsidiaries or anything like that. And then, okay. um, do you know how most ATMs operate? I'm, I'm not sure. So most ATMs are owned by like somebody like you. Okay. You may own 10 or 12 ATMs. There are big companies that do ATMs, but they're like most of the ATMs in the country are literally like you and me going to a business and asking like, Hey, how would you feel if we put an ATM in here? And like, right. we just need internet and power and we'll take care of everything else. So this is one of those ones where like, I don't know, like, so the, like the show that I keep trying to get you to listen to, um, wealth without wall street, um, they invest in an ATM fund where like, mm. Basically, they put in like, you know, call it a $100,000 or I forget how much it was, but it was like a significant amount of money. But then it like returns 7% for the next seven years. Hmm. And then the ATMs are burned out. So ATMs like basically, you know, they run seven years roughly, you know, without defect, presuming. So what I think has happened is the last cycle of ATMs got built up. pretty big after 2008. Um, and we're obviously pretty far after 2008 because, you know, a bunch of people switched to cash in 2008 and, and stuff like that. And, um, so I think like this is a new cycle of ATMs are coming out and they've just opted for the additional Bitcoin feature. So I don't know if this is like a tail wagging the dog situation where people have just put in Bitcoin ATMs because they could like, just like, Hey, it's an extra feature or if the public is actually demanding it. So I would be really yeah. interesting to see some statistics on like those, because it like an ATM, you know, mm-hmm. basically runs on like call it a raspberry Pi. It, it's different than that. But like, you, you know, as you know, you don't need a whole lot to run a node. So right. adding Bitcoin as an additional feature to the ATM probably costs the ATM an extra hundred dollars in production. Well, but these are not these are not regular ATMs. They're mm-hmm. cloud coin ATMs. They're specifically for Bitcoin transfer. So Yeah. But that's, I'm but that's sure, they, they may do other stuff too, but yeah. uh I, I it probably is a similar model because I, I do know that like the exchange rates on them is insane to me. Like mm-hmm. I, but also, you know, when I buy Bitcoin, I'd pay almost nothing when I buy it for the exchange fee. And but these are these exchange fees are really high. Uh, like four or five percent, hmm. and um, yeah. but you know if you're not tech savvy and don't want to set all this stuff up, then this this makes sense because remitting money to somebody through cl- Coin Cloud is four four or five percent, whereas sending money through a wire transfer is, you know, can be a lot more. Yeah, I mean, Western uh, Union's like what, like two fifty up to like an X amount, and then it's a percentage after that or some nonsense. Yeah. And I mean, you could do it at Kroger and stuff like that, but it's a big pain in the butt. And you got to deal with somebody, you got to talk to somebody who possibly doesn't speak right. your language very well, um, like for Western Union and stuff like that. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, that kind of makes sense to me. But like, and yeah, this I, is that's kind that's interesting. I didn't think about that. Uh, it might be a. Uh, I kind of am curious because I've been seeing them so much more lately. I'm I'm just sort of curious about 
and and well, it's specifically where I'm seeing them is what's most interesting mm-hmm. to me about it is that it's in it's mostly in immigrant areas or poor places. Mm-hmm. So it's in we always we always call it Middle East town, but it's just the Middle Eastern part of Arlington. Um, and there's a bunch there. There's a bunch in like Little Mexico, which again is not an official name. It's because I'm a racist, so <laughs> I just I call things whatever the people are that live there. Yeah. Uh, and then over here in this shitty shopping center, which I don't. It's that's not any particular demographic. It's just a crappy shopping center. But yeah. uh, there, it's there. There's one there. Actually, you know why is that? I don't know why that shopping center is not better. There is also a Target in that shopping center. Now that I think about it. And you know the other thing that's, that's shitty about the shopping center that I dislike, there is an AMC movie theater there, but mm-hmm. it's behind the building, so you can't see it. Okay, like I, everything about this shopping center bothers me. <laughs> I, yeah. I, it's it's just not a. I don't understand. Like it, the the design doesn't make sense to me. The there's so much that doesn't make sense to me about it. But anyways, I think we should look look into this. This might be an interesting topic for the show, just because. Although I do find Bitcoin interesting to some degree, I find this aspect of it a lot more interesting. Like, who is using this? Why is it lucrative to put these ATMs in these places? Mm-hmm. Or is it like what you say? Is it do these ATMs have the same functionality as a regular ATM, but also I'm, have the Bitcoin aspects? And that's the thing is, like, I never thought about it, like, from a because the way I've always seen them is it looks like they're just ATMs with Bitcoin function, but. I also like occasionally Google Maps, like when I use it, because I don't, you know, I don't really go many places that I don't go often. So like I yeah. already kind of know I only really use it to check traffic. And I think I'm probably going to stop doing that and just switch to a different app that isn't them. Um, yeah. But like one of the things that like it'll occasionally show Bitcoin ATM. And I'm like, I don't have any Bitcoin. Like, yeah. I don't have any Bitcoin. I don't know how to get Bitcoin. I also don't know how to store Bitcoin. Like I listen to, and you know, this is one of those ones where, you know, I learn differently than most people. And I listened to cars like explainer for it. And I was like, okay, I kind of understand what you're telling me. But like the whole like basically almost having two wallets where it's like this is the one you do transactions from and then this is the one where you're hodling it or like, you know, kind of like your savings account versus your checking account. And like I was just listening to like him describe that and I was just like I if I had to like like if I had to remit money back somewhere. I could see where maybe learning this makes sense. Right. But like it is and granted, you know, I got a Navy federal account like 15 years ago via Eric, <laughs> like, you know, and it wasn't that hard right. of a process, but like I already had credit, you know, like that kind of like the idea, like, and one of the things with like when your wife came here and you guys were trying to like establish her as a U.S. entity, like mm-hmm. it's not the right words, but right, like she doesn't ha- didn't have a credit score, and it's like, well, right. why don't you have a credit score? It's like I'm an immigrant, and people are like baffled by that concept, and it's like, 
we're a country of immigrants. Like, how do you not have like a, here's how as an immigrant, you build credit like right. at a bank, you know, like just as a, a thing your bank does, you know, like just stuff like that. So maybe it isn't as complicated as it sounds. And yeah, I was driving and stuff like that, but like, I was just listening to it. And I'm like, like, I love you guys like in the Bitcoin community and like, like Rollo and them. And I was just like, I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. And this sounds stupidly complicated and like having to wash the transactions and then trying to like never use the same like key basically twice. And I was just like, guys, either you're like, I'm sure I'm not understanding something and missing, you know, like part of this concept but you guys aren't selling this very well. <laughs> like this, it's so yeah, complicated. I mean, I, I've had this conversation with a lot of people uh, uh, that are Bitcoin people. And th- this is kind of one of the reasons why I think there probably is always going to be banks. Um, most people just don't care to learn about it. And and, that, and I think that's fine. That's There's a reason why there's a division of labor. Um, well, but, that's the thing is like, as you and I kind of, think about it like well i don't know how you feel but i don't have an issue with a bank like i have an issue with fractional reserve banking but like a bank yeah i don't have a problem with money warehouses i and that's what banks used to be i have a problem with banking as they as it exists now Mm -hmm. um and and I think that would be that would be kind of my main issue. I also am just not confident in the monetary system. Yeah, uh, and that's kind of my main thing. But I mean, you also know I ever since you've known me, I bought gold and silver, and yeah. I still have gold and silver, and I also have added Bitcoin. I think Bitcoin will monetize at some point. Uh, I don't know when. Uh, I don't know what at what price, but. Um, I think the world is an uncertain place and things are there, there's been several really good use cases lately uh, for Bitcoin. I mean, like I'm, I'm very pleased that the uh, uh, that these sanctions kind of went into place against Russia and then a, a bunch of people were just like, well, we're just we'll just start using Bitcoin. Yeah. Like, and, that, and that's it's like a- OK, yeah, that's a good that's a good use case for circuit or the with the uh, truckers when they. Now, I guess there's some sort of hubbub around what was going on with that Bitcoin. I don't really understand what the problem was or care, but um, the all of these payment processors and crowdfunding platforms and stuff basically deplatformed them or demonetized them from raising funds, and then and then people were able to just kind of stand it up a separate a separate thing. I mean, like if for whatever reason, for example, people stopped liking Childeberg. You know, they could come to me and they could point a gun at my head and say, give me your Bitcoin. Uh, we're shutting you down. But also if PayPal decided they didn't want to let us process with them anymore, I just go, oh, I guess we'll just take Bitcoin only. And that's fine. Yeah. And that's the so like the thing to me is and this is one of those, you know, your your situation where you're always talking about like that uh, counselor and like how. Like we've oversold the diesel supply and all that stuff. Yeah. They're like, unless they get on the nuclear train or like the hydrogen economy, like 
the other green technology doesn't work. Yeah. So they're quickly leading us to a place where like you could have enough energy to charge a cell phone and yeah, you can mine and do all that stuff on a cell phone, but they're making it always like harder and harder. And like, you know, look at your electric bill. Like Mm -hmm. they're making it more and more difficult to basically use a cryptocurrency that isn't just user the mining and that sort of thing to me it seems like they're kind of pushing people away from being able to do that and like you know the chip shortage and all that stuff and like purposely antagonizing people where those things come from so like we're gonna Mm -hmm. just kind of hit this wall where it's like yeah you can get a cell phone but you're not gonna be able to get like a high-end computer you know what i mean like that's what i feel is like coming so that's to me and like obviously with regular banking that doesn't solve that either. <laughs> like that, right. you know, just as much of an issue, but it removes the central, like it still keeps the central bank involved because yeah, they've got the computer to produce this and you don't, you know? So that's kind of the, like, it's not a well thought out thought in my head yet, but that's kind of where I'm at, where I'm like, if there's a cabal of elites all pulling in one direction with like, you know, Klaus Schwab being in there, that kind of thing. That's what I think they're going to. Now, I think this is one of those, like we were talking about, and I don't know if I said it on air, but I don't think the cold war ended. Yeah. I think this was just a lull and it's not cold war two. It's like the hundred years war. It's just, there was a period of lack of clear focus on who the enemy was. And now Putin has reestablished it for, the public's eye. Yes. Mm -hmm. I don't think he is. I don't think he started this. I think he inherited it and was in part of it. You know, he was a leader in the original cold war in many ways, but that's where I'm, I'm kind of at that point where it's like, what's the goal? Like Mm -hmm. how is this like sacrifice? Like Russia, from having good times on the current system to like take the bad now to get everything in place, to be back on the second world system, you know, like, is that the plan? Like we were talking about like with uh, China and India and Russia basically making their own like international system. And like Brazil's not going along with this like sanction system. If I remember correctly, it's like most of the BRICS countries. Yeah, well, I mean, so like, there's there's a bunch of places where they're just like, no, we're we're not. They're not yeah. saying that they're not going along with it, but then the but the escalation from the United States is, well, if you don't go along with it, we're going to sanction you too. Yeah, but which, like, I think that's which, you know, at a certain point, you can't you at a certain point if you're sanctioning everybody, you're sanctioning yourself. I mean, just sanctioning Russia, we've seen turned out to actually be my favorite quote from this Thursday's uh, episode of No Agenda was Adam Curry said the Europe, the ear the Europeans are going to have to eat shit because mm-hmm. they're the ones who are pushing these sanctions. Actually, the United States at first wasn't really going to do that much, but Western Europe was like, no, we got to put all these sanctions on. And the U S was like, okay, well, I guess we're on board. And now they're already having to cut off heavy gas use industry to avoid brownouts. Mm-hmm. Like they're they're like I mean this is 
this is they keep saying that Russia is self-sanctioning, but that's they're not. <laughs> like Europe sanctioned themselves. Like congratulations, you played yourself, kind of thing. Like yeah. you guys set this up. You've been going for years and years saying that we we're going to build all these windmills and solar panels and all that bullshit and shut down our nuclear plants. And then when the shit hits the fan and you don't have the the, the natural gas, you're out of power. Yeah, and it's not like. It's not like you built a bunch of carriers to come get it from the U.S. Right. Who has it in spades. Right. And then happens to have the dumbest administration possible going like, yeah, we're not going to sell it to you. Like, we're not going to increase production. The Jones Act and all that sort of stuff makes it so that we just don't even, we don't have any ability to ship them gas. I mean, we've been over this before, but like, the U.S. just doesn't have the ships to ship it. Um, I mean, they would have to get ships out of the Pacific over to here from China or somewhere like that, or find other LNG ships. And the United States just doesn't have them, so it's not like we can ship the oil, or the the natural gas over to them. Yeah, but that's the thing is like the there's the there is LNG carriers available because like they turn to Europe when the like Russians started playing hardball. <laughs> like, they did, but you know. But what I'm what I'm saying is that those are LNG ships that already have contracts with places. It's not like there's like the U.S. Oh, yeah, has no, no, no. LNG ships running around selling LNG. Yeah, but that's the thing is like the those LNG ships broke their contracts to deliver to China to deliver to Europe yeah. for the difference. So right. like they're totally willing to do it, and that's the thing is like China's, and I think that might be kind of one of the plays is like. If because China and Russia are talking about building additional pipelines and stuff like that, so it might be one of those plays where it's like, okay, well, you guys get supplied from the U.S. and that takes forever because, like, you know, those ships they're big, but like that's not that's nowhere near pipeline volume, right? And it's like, okay, so China stops getting supplied by the United States and Europe gets supplied by the United States and Russia just puts all of it into China, but yeah, then maybe. it's like. And that's one of the things that we were kind of talking about, like China having those kind of dual currency sort of things. Like mm-hmm. the Chinese have like really in crazy strict restrictions on like using their currency, like outside of like, you can't like, you know, it's, it's hard to do foreign exchange market trades in right. like Chinese currencies because like they have such a weird lockdown on it. So mm. that's one of those ones where like, say the ruble has like economic value and like the Chinese currency may have economic value, but do they profit from trading their currencies to each other? Cause like if the Chinese get a bunch of rubles, it's like, okay, if they can't use them anywhere, but China or like, but Russia, it's like, we don't know if we need all the commodities that you guys have, you know, like well, that was the, actually, that was another funny kind of zero hedge article. Mm-hmm. That uh, I guess the Russian government is now saying all debt because of the sanctions. They're like, okay, we still want you to pay your debt, but you need to pay them in rubles, mm-hmm. so that other country or other people who had the debt from Russian companies now have rubles. And the only way that you can really use those is if you do business with Russia, <laughs> or you find a clearinghouse that's willing, yeah. that has some some mechanism. It's like, what do you do? Like you trade it for. Uh, you know, pesos, 
Like, that'd be so funny if the peso became the intermediary to get dollars through the transaction. (laughs) That would be pretty funny. So, but see, and you know what? In the backdrop to this, that that is the most infuriating, and we'll get we'll get into drink reviews real quick because, frankly, I don't know that much about about the whole situation that's going on because it to me is extremely confusing, and I don't know what's true. That that's like one of the the most difficult parts about this. But this to this whole backdrop, like to me. I was thinking about this while we were working on getting my mother-in-law out of, out of Ukraine into here is the U S can send $10 billion worth of weapons to Ukraine while they're fighting a war. But one old lady is not allowed to come here because she tested positive for a cold. Yeah. And she has a 10 year something. visa. Yeah. She's got a 10 year vacation already, visa or whatever. She's like, already legally allowed to come to this country. Like, from a visa standpoint. Yeah. Yeah. So that kind of actually plays into what you and I started talking about before the show about just how ridiculous these rules and stuff are is it looks like there was a mistake and she is actually allowed to come here. But the way that the CDC rule reads from how he read it is that Mm. an American citizen has to accompany an unvaxxed non-American when they fly to America. Mm -hmm. But the American doesn't have to be vaxxed. Yeah. Like it, it, it's asinine. It makes no sense at all. Like how does, how does somebody accompanying somebody else change the COVID status? Mm-hmm. It, it I, I mean, it's just like there, as we go through this sort of stuff, like it's just, it's so baffling. I mean, we've had two years of just me being dumbfounded by how idiotic everything is, but then dealing with this where it's like, so there's a war. You're you're willing to give refugee status to all these people, but if they're not vaccinated, they're not they're not allowed to escape the war. Yeah, I mean, like if you like to, you know, go back to your population control. Um, yeah, that's true. Conspiracy yeah. statement. You know, you're talking about getting a as you described it a babushka out. Yeah, um, right. And and you know, and it's not like and, and this is one of those things where it's like. Your mother-in-law has economic value like in Ukraine um, yeah. and things like that and had some money in the States, but it's not like, you know, you're bringing over a multimillionaire with like properties in like Germany, Czech Republic, Poland, Ukraine, Russia, like kind of all over the place. Mm-hmm. You're bringing over somebody who's like, yeah, I own some apartment, like I own some property in Ukraine. And it's like, well, did it explode? <laughs> Right. I don't know. And then like, yeah, you we know, don't. drawing, we no idea. drawing some pension and then like had cash in the U S that she managed to mismanage terribly. I was just, like, when you told me that, like, I won't obviously, you know, say what it was. Cause that's not fair to you guys, but I was just well, baffled. You know, it, was like, it does. It, I mean, it does sort of, it's, it's kind of interesting. Like the, the whole concept of people relying on social security. So this mm-hmm. is, we don't know what's going to happen. There may be no no country of Ukraine in the near future, but who knows? But even if there is, after, I, I guess we kind of have to see how much damage was actually done because that's another thing is like everybody's saying everybody's lying. Mm-hmm. And, and it's it's not clear to me. Like I keep seeing videos on Twitter of like Russians doing all these terrible things, but then I also see these videos of like Ukrainians doing all these terrible things. Yeah, and then you see, and like, also the, I can't tell the difference. And then it's you, not like they're wearing you, big flags. Yeah, 
and then you learn that uh no that was like the war in like someplace else 10 yeah. years ago and you're like but they look like they could be ukraine it's like this was the yeah. war in syria and you're like really like these look like right. russian and these don't look like syrians what is this right Right, I mean, that so, was one of the funny, yeah. the funny ones where they had like a Palestinian girl yelling at an mm-hmm. Israeli soldier, and it said like in the caption, "like brave Ukrainian girl." And I remember seeing it before anybody debunked it, and I went, "It's winter time in Ukraine. Yeah. Why would there be a little girl wearing shorts and a t-shirt so, yelling at somebody?" You, you got the, you immediately debunked it, the Rolling Stone article style, and that's yeah. the thing is like that girl spent eight months in prison for slapping oh, really? at you that uh, an unarmed girl. She slapped a uh, Israeli soldier after he, they destroyed her house mm. and she spent eight months in prison. That's crazy. And she's under 15 or she was yeah. under 15 at the time. And like, yeah, that's, this that's is one of those, ludicrous. like there's a, a Canadian politician who basically balled out the Canadian parliament for wanting to sanction Russia, but allowing Israel to exist for the last <laughs> whatever number yeah. of years. And I was like, yeah, like, no, I mean, yeah, you know, but and that that was kind of another. None of this is good, but it's sort of the on that same note is like the day that Russia invades, the United States killed like fifteen people in Somalia with bombs. Yeah. And how many like, people? I mean, I'm sure everybody listening to this show knew that we were involved in Somalia, but how do the average does the average American know that we're involved in bombing Somalia? Yeah, or the fact that you know we have, um like continued the genocide of the people in Yemen and like yeah. the UAE through the United Nations pushed through some like thing against the Houthis. And it's like, you know, this is one of those things where it's like, I don't know how like, so you and I will hopefully never know what like the fighting for the civilians was like in world war ii yeah and the closest we could come is going to mosul or going to like the different places in yemen that have been like just jacked up with like the bombings and in that sort of stuff but there's nothing like what we the firebombing of tokyo like right but that's the thing that i i don't understand is like you look at like the low key war that the Taliban waged for years and just like a few people willing to die every day in a country of multiple millions. And that was enough to just make it so the U S couldn't hold that country. Right. I can't imagine like Russia thinks they have the manpower, the will in the funds to just make Ukraine not exist. You know well, what I mean? Like, I, I, don't, I, I don't know. I, I think that the, I, I think a lot of the situation as you and I have discussed is not, is again, it's not clear. Mm-hmm. Um, it's to me, it's like, if I think if like Canada, if like we invaded Canada at a certain point, it just wouldn't be any different because the Canadians are close enough that it, it you know, it, it just wouldn't be that big of a difference. Um, yeah, but those those neo Nazi soldiers, the the ones that, like the the Ukrainians, like the oh, really bad divisions, yeah, yeah, they would go to Moscow. Well, like, the, but they the, the would, Russians would also just kill all of them. So 
which but is that's different than the, what the Americans do. Like the Americans never went into Afghanistan and just slaughtered the entire country. Yeah, but like that's the thing is like you know, the the like I want everybody to remember this. Most militaries are not efficient, effective, or useful. The Russians have done a lot of surgical strikes, but like where they ground out those people in Chechnya, mm-hmm. like the 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 really bad Islamist fighters and stuff like that, mm-hmm. they did it through attrition. They didn't just wind up and take out a whole village. They let them like they did do that at times. But like right. these are Ukrainian guys, they would melt into the forests. And they would get to Moscow. They would get to St. Petersburg. They would get to these other territories and they would cause unholy hell. And like, that's the thing is like right now, the like Ukrainian people aren't fighting back and, or they're not fighting back in the way that you would imagine if like somebody tried to like come across the line in the United States where it's just like, no, everybody's armed to the teeth here. Like that's a really bad decision. Like, yeah. And, you know, Mike Cernovich talks about it. It's like, you can't fight a tank with like a machine gun. It's like, yeah, you're right. But like in the United States, people would be making like suicide drones. Like we jack up the roads immediately. You know, it's the stuff that Americans would do. It's like really crazy what Americans would end up doing to try to stop that. And like, I think that's your point is well taken of like, how close are the Russians to the Ukrainians? But then you also have to like, how long does the Holodomor stay in the mind? You know what yeah, I mean? Like, yeah, I don't know. Like, I can't imagine Putin. But the Holodomor having... was also carried out by a Georgian. <laughs> so like that, it, the whole situation with, is, is very different and more complicated than what I think Americans think of it. That, that, that's, that's kind of, I just think, and, and, you know, uh, Scott Horton had pointed this out in that speech he gave in Utah. That where was a good speech. It was a really good speech uh, where it's just people forget that Eastern Europeans may look like Western Europeans, but they just don't have the same mindset Yeah, in, like, in a lot of ways. It's it's just a it's a different thing. It's just I mean, it's just it's as foreign <laughs> as the Chinese. I mean, they just don't have a common history. They have a different way of thinking about certain things. Yeah, but like, um, I also think that. Like, despite the fact that the Holomador was done by a Georgian, it was done on the back of the Russian army. And those were Russians. Well, the Soviet army, which included Ukrainians. So like that, well, that's, yeah, that's what exactly. makes it complicated is that, yeah. is that this is a, this is the Soviet Union, which Russia was the largest part of it. But also, I mean, like Victoria's mom, the one that we're trying to get here was a Soviet soldier. Yeah. But like that's, but that's like Ukrainian. Yeah. What's that? Wasn't that conscription? No, <laughs> that was it was her job. She was like an accountant or something. But yeah, but uh, like that's what I was gonna say. I thought there was a requirement to serve on a, at a no. certain point. No, because okay. technically she was she was in the Ukrainian Soviet, the Soviet Republic of Ukraine's military, but it was all the same. I mean, they all just worked together. So yeah, uh, it's. I mean, it, I think it's it's very much along the lines of the United States, where like. You know, Texans and Oklahomans may have some sort of bad blood, but they're both kind of the same thing. It's, it's, uh, mm-hmm. I mean, there's more, his, a lot more history. And again, as Scott Horton pointed out, when 
when Russia took Crimea, we hadn't even signed the constitution yet. Yeah. Like this is, I mean, this is a much older place than here. So there is a lot more stuff going on than what we think about as just people who live in a young country. But, um, this is kind of why I've been very reserved on kind of giving any sort of opinion of this is to me, everything smells like bullshit. And, Mm -hmm. uh, I also, I mean, first and foremost, I I would say that it's just war is bad. That, that, that's the position I can take. I don't really understand a lot of what's going on. Uh, as you said early on, like why now, like what's the difference? And, you know, I think Scott went through a lot of the history and kind of explained what's going on as well is like, as libertarians, we're anti-war. It doesn't really mm-hmm. matter who started it. It doesn't really matter. I mean, the, the fact of the matter is that people who had nothing to do with this are dying. Exactly. And it's and, the... Yeah. Like Malice and uh, Dave Smith did an episode, and they're basically like, we don't stand with the Ukrainian people. We don't stand with the Russian people. We stand with people, and we wish everybody to be happy, happy healthy, and home. Right. Like that's like their kind of point. And I think that's kind of our point. Um, so we don't rabbit hole down that any further. Uh, let's uh, uh, steal a segment, a segment from our uh, friends and uh cerveza of the week. And then oh, that's right. pretend like we've got a bottle opening sound or whatever they do. Yeah. Whatever the noise is. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but it is the one that I have is related to peaceful treason. Because while I was over at Will's house, he had just this really cool bottle of gin uh, mm-hmm. called uh, Fid Street. So I think it's F-I-D. I think I'm pronouncing it correct. Fid Street Gin. Mm-hmm. It is a Hawaiian gin made from local Hawaiian botanicals. Um, mm-hmm. I guess Fid is what the British sailors that first went to Hawaii called drink. Um, huh. and so I guess, so, and Fid street, I guess is where they drank. And, um, so that's what it's named after. And it is damn fine gin. And <laughs> I am more and more becoming interested in gin. It is a really complicated beverage as far as flavors go. And it has a lot of flavors I really like. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll go ahead and read the little, uh, the little blurb here on their website. So it says, uh, crafted from 11 botanicals locally sourced in Hawaii, Fid Street Gin plays homage to Hawaii's history by marrying the typical compounds of London dry gin with a range of unique local Hawaiian ingredients, bridging the gap between Old English and American crafted gin styles. Fid Street Gin is the first gin ever created on Maui and only the second in Hawaii since Prohibition. Distilled in small batches, Fid Street Gin is juniper forward. I That is 100% true. It is very juniper forward. Uh, and exhibits a very clean, aromatic, fresh cut floral citrus bouquet with a hint of forest air. So uh, some it things that like I would Pacific point out. like the Pacific Northwest. <laughs> yeah. Well, something that I would point out of this is that it is very uh, juniper forward, which I like that flavor a lot. Um, mm-hmm. It also, uh, is it called Anansi or Ansi? The one that tastes sort of like black licorice? Oh, man. Uh, anise? Is it Anise? That's what I think. I don't, I don't know. I don't I know how to be. pronounce it. Yeah. But uh, 
classic. It does have that kind of flavor. I have no idea how to pronounce anything. (laughs) Yeah, 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 that's true. Um, But they have, and I don't have the bottle. I put it back in the bar. Um, Dang it. They had a list of the stuff that was in it, and I wanted to read it off. But uh, I don't have it. I like it a lot. I made my standard gin drink, which is a gin and tonic with uh, citrus. Uh, I also got at Specs. They apparently were not supposed to sell it because it wasn't in the computer. So the guy had to go pool it all, but because I had brought it up, they let me buy it anyways. Um, a grapefruit bitter. Mm. So I did my my standard, which is fizzy water, lemon juice. Instead of orange bitters, I put in the grapefruit bitters. And then uh, a, I actually, usually when I make a, a, a gin and tonic, I put a very small amount of gin. So like... Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't have any sort of way of measuring it. I usually just kind of fill it up so that there's just a little bit of space on the top. And then I just kind of tip it off with just to give it a little bit of gin flavor and a little booziness. And, um, I like it a lot. I recommend it. Thanks Will for, uh, sharing it. Well, just showing to me, I didn't try it at his house, but it's got a really cool bottle. Yeah. It's very uh, knobbly. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's like, it looks, it looks old, like an old fashioned bottle. Yeah. Yeah. I liked it a lot. Yeah. I, what are you uh, drinking? Gin sounds awful every time I hear <laughs> about it. Uh, so I have um, been partaking in the uh, the stuff that, you know, I normally do, uh, the smokable variety, um, a lot more because we kind of found a source, which is funny in the way we found it. Um somebody like just yeah but um we so down the street there's a dog who's like basically it's a a couple and their you know kid is their dog and their dog turned one so they stop by and their dog really likes our dog and our dog puts up with him because he's like 12 and they were like, hey, we're having a party for the dog, you know, basically an excuse to have people came, come over. So they did like this Mardi Gras themed party. And like, it was kind of one of those weird, like they had like non-alcoholic drinks and hot dogs and, you know, kind of just like party stuff. But there was no offer of booze, but everybody else was drinking booze. And it was like, Interesting. they brought their own beers or they brought their own hard seltzers or whatever. But it wasn't like, we literally got told at like 1145 and the party started at like one. And like, it's not a complaint. Like I could have asked if I could have had a beer, but I like, we don't like, we don't really hang out with these neighbors. Like they're very nice. And we've, they like helped us. Cause like our dog got stuck in like our daughter's scooter at one point and they helped me disassemble uh-huh. it. I mean, they're just very nice people. And, mm-hmm. but like, so we didn't bring anything. So I was like, man, I really want a beer. And I had gone into Harris Teeter the day before and like nothing looked good. Cause like, we're kind of mm-hmm. in that weird, there's not a lot of like stouts anymore, but like, there's just IPAs and you know, I used to really like IPAs, but like they also gave me a lot of heartburn. So I'm kind of like, eh, I'm not that into that anymore. So I go down to the total wine cause the total wine generally has a bunch of interesting things. 
And like, there's these two end caps because they rearranged it. And these two end caps basically always have the cool stuff. Yeah. So I was like, okay. I look at the end caps and it's just nothing. Nothing's like calling to me. And I go around and around and around and around and around looking for stuff. And anytime like I'm looking at beer, like I like to message Will about it <laughs> just mm-hmm. to mess with him. So here is one of the options that I could have picked from. Saturday morning, Marshmallow Indian Pale Ale. Mm-hmm. So it is a Lucky Charms Pale Ale. That's interesting. That's by Smart Mouth. Huh. Then what do you think? They ha- uh, well, they had a cow okay. catcher that was chocolate cherry milkshake stout, also okay. by Smart Mouth. Then they had the one that I considered the hardest, but I didn't get because um, this one was veterans, like possessive blend rye triple IPA from a tradition brewing co. I chose not to get this because every one of them had like, they literally have the space force seal on it. They've got the department of the Navy. It's like straight up like military booze. The space force seal. Yeah. Like, man, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But like, it's a four pack and the other one's got the Navy seal. The other one's got the Marine Corps. I'm sure the other one had the army, but I was just like, I'm not buying military booze, even though it's a triple IP. And I thought that would be cool. So I was like, okay, I didn't realize it was cow catcher as the cherry one. I should have gotten that one. There's no Mm -hmm. way I was buying the lucky charms nonsense. (laughs) And, um, like, obviously I didn't get that veteran one. So I ended up getting, um, because I was like, kept going around. So there was a one that I'd seen before called evil Santa. It's a spiced milk stout. I didn't want to stout. And for whatever reason, I just wasn't putting it right in my head, like the taste of a milk stout. And mm-hmm. like, you know me, I really like cow catcher. So I was like, now that I realized like I could have had a cow catcher limited release, I'm kind of like, damn it. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, and this one was, you know, I had the first one air, you know, room temperature and like maybe it's the lactose in it or something. Like it just, it was like, or the spice, like it just wasn't stouty enough to me. Like okay. it definitely was stout, but it featured too much of the other flavors. And then I had one cold and that was pretty good. And then I had another one air temperature and then I had another one cold and like both the air temperature ones, like I got more and more out of the or room temperature. Like I got more and more out of the flavor out of it, but like the colder, the cool chilled ones were much better. Uh, okay. so apparently, um, like I'm getting back into chilling my beer <laughs> as opposed to just drinking it room temperature. But I like, it was also one of those things where, and you know, you went through this at one point and it's kind of why we got into wine where like we were looking at the beer and just kind of going, eh, like yeah. there's, you know, there's plenty here that I, there was plenty there that I had had before. And I was just like, I wanted something different. And there was a bunch of stuff from Virginia, but like there was barely anything from the Hampton Roads area. So um, <laughs> this was the Virginia Beer Company, which is in Williamsburg. So not that yeah. far. Um, but Evil Santa, Santa at 7% alcohol by volume. Um, it's like got this black, it's a black can. 
and Virginia beers in red at the top. And then it's got the evil Santa. So Santa's wearing these sunglasses, but like it's like Santa spray painted on almost where so like his face is just the black from the, the can itself. And then um, it's like the eyebrows are white and the big beard and, you know, the red Santa hat. It's a pretty cool looking can. Yeah. It was just it one sounds, of those it things. It sounds kind of cool. Yeah. Uh, let me see if I can send you the picture real quick. Okay. But it was just one of those, like, it was fine, but it wasn't amazing. And now that I realize I didn't get the cowcatcher one, I was like, eh, I just didn't read it. Oh, well I enough. see. But, yeah. Yeah. But even then it was just like not amazing um choices and is, is that seven know, or seven point eight uh, i think it's just seven yeah oh, it's it just okay i just don't yeah. see very well okay no it's okay it's it's not it, like i took a picture so i could see the the volume but i didn't like i should have taken three pictures yeah i was like trying to get the like cool can in the the seven percent yeah it was just it was weird and like i felt like some of the sections were just kind of like just IPA was nebulously everywhere. And then like the more seasonal stuff was kind of like still heavily IPA. And I'm like, there, there are other styles guys. Like, can't we just have like a big blocker section? Do you have Tups brewing out there? Or did I ask you Uh, that? You asked me if I've had a Tups and I don't, mm, I don't know for sure. Okay. Yeah, I got I got their variety pack. They're from they're from Texas. Um, mm-hmm. That was the, I guess the other. I'll say that's kind of an honorable mention. I think their stuff is pretty good. And as you know, I've been on a very uh, normal beer kick lately, mm-hmm. or normal in quotes, I guess. Um, yeah, just kind of standard German lagers or Hefeweizen or something like that. Um, mm-hmm. This had a very good Hefeweizen in it, I thought, and. Uh, I also had uh, I got a six pack of uh, Alstad Brewing's Lager, and I had one of those. I think mm-hmm. there is they're also very, uh, very. Uh, they're they're good. It's good quality, but also very very German, very standard German. Uh, they're down gotcha. in Fredericksburg. Yeah, I yeah. like I really like them. All of their beers are German. They don't they don't like serve that. anything else. They got a really big fest house down there. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's pretty cool. It's very modern, uh, but they've got. Uh, I'd say it's sort of like a, like if the beer garden was an Applebee's kind of, mm-hmm. it's got, it's got German food, but it's kind of generic standard food. Yeah. So, but yeah, oh, yeah I, the, I, I like that. that. Those are, that's the only other honorable mention I have. Yeah. Uh, I keep forgetting to tell you, but they're uh, selling the Topo Chico hard uh, seltzer up here now. Oh, you know what? We should both get that and and do a tasting on that because I like Toba Chico a lot, and I'm kind of curious. I, I don't really like seltzers though. I don't, which is funny because like I like gin and tonic, which is basically <laughs> a seltzer. Yeah, yeah. I don't like you know me. I like I'm I'm not big into bubbly water, so I'm kind of yeah, like, that's true. Eh, this is uh, okay. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of that's but, sort of how I always feel about the seltzers. It's like it's like yeah, they're fine. But what is usually the alcohol in a seltzer vodka? Mm, I think it's some sort of malt. Okay. Huh. I think like they're, I think originally they were like a malt liquor, but like, I don't know now. Cause like so many of the alcohol laws just evaporated during COVID. That's true. Yeah. I don't, that's the other thing too. 
I don't know if maybe we arrived in Texas at like a, a good time. It seems like there's like a really good beer resurgence, but the this is something you and I identified when like beer was just like exploding in Hampton Roads. Is there's just mm-hmm. it's all going to way too high alcohol, way too much hops. Everything everything's IPA, triple, double, quadruple, and uh, actually one of the th- things in the variety pack, and it was pretty good actually. But one of the things in the variety pack from Tups was a double dry hopped, uh, hazy IPA called like mm-hmm. Juicy juicy bushy or something like that. I don't know what it was called, but it was something juicy and, um, and it was good, but it, it like, there's, there's to me just too much of that and not enough, just like regular old good beer. But then again, maybe regular old, old good beer just doesn't sell very well. It's the, like, I think it's one of those ones where I think IPA sell year round and mm. then like the traditional stuff may kind of follow the more seasonal, like actual, market like yeah, that could be would be kind of my guess but yeah it's that's the thing is like i like i beer. mean a, a cold a cold lager on a hot day i mean it it's it, it makes sense that that's why loggers were developed for mm-hmm. like to keep them cool in or lagering them so that they would be cooler when you drank them yeah oh that's that's the thing is like i like beer i'm not against beer in I don't drink anywhere near as much wine as I used to. Yeah. But I also am just trying not to drink all that much. Yeah. Because, like, I'm. it's not that I'm not interested in it. It's just the after effects, like, because I haven't been working out all that much. And I think that's kind of the issue is, like, there's only so much, like, nonsense I can do. And right. Like with the other th- stuff that I've been doing and then like snacking after doing it, it's kind of like, yeah, I don't need beer calories. <laughs> like right. I don't need wine calories and I don't need the heartburn from it at the moment. Yeah. Right. Cause I've been doing pretty good with, uh, like I stopped dr- taking Alka-Seltzer cause it has like, um, like pain medicine in it. And I didn't need the pain medicine. Mm. Like I just wanted the Alka-Seltzer aspect, right. like the heartburn aspect. And I was like, this is really not good to be taking this and alcohol. So I'm going to stop buying these. And then I also just stopped drinking as much. So, right. Yeah. Uh, speaking of a place where I'm probably going to drink a lot, uh, Childerberg. That's right. So that's going to be the 28th through the 30th of May of 2022 out at the mule shoe bend recreational area. Uh, last count, I think we were at over 120 spots. Uh, I, think we, I think we've sold 125, but I'll check real quick. Yeah. And we have sold 126 spots. Nice. So, yeah. So, we're so, yeah. doing very well. We still have uh, over 100 available, though. So, um, if you are interested in coming down, go to childerberg.com and pick up a t shirt while you're there. And uh, at least a t-shirt and uh, yeah. yeah, definitely. If you're going to come, you got to You need to reserve that spot or have had a friend reserve a spot for you. Uh, we do, really don't want to be turning people away, but you know, there are certain uh, rules that we do have to follow. So we will have to turn people away if they're going to try to camp with a, you know, not having a spot. <laughs> um, yeah. So, but yeah, and we do have also, I, I wanted to mention too, we have Airbnb spots left. If anybody would prefer not mm-hmm. to camp. Uh, I think we have 
Um, let's see. Okay, that's one. So, uh, yeah, we have it. We have at least five room, five uh, beds left. Nice. So, um, it's a big, it's a big house. So, if you're interested in sleeping in a bed, then uh, check out the Airbnb option. Yeah. Well, uh, with that, this is uh, Tasting Anarchy, kind of a rambling, wild episode as usual. Um, stay free, everybody. All right, stay free. <laughs>